You are tuned in to CFCR 90.5 FM. It's time for the nerdy news. It's Punch Radio, and you have Jody and Dave. Hello. And you'll hear from Brennan and Craig and Hank a little bit later. There's a lot on the plate. Uh, Craig and Hank are talking about Swarm, Night Agent, John Wick, and uh, Craig went to a concert with us. Uh, he does not mention that in his review, but uh, he did go with us to Ryan Adams. And Brennan, uh, he is also talking music as well. Very personal, his experience with musicals. So we're going to hear from them a little bit later. We are going to start things off with a Friday find. And we haven't had one of these for a while. We're way overdue, but we stumbled across this movie from 2009. Oh boy, did we called Angel of Death, directed by Paul Etheridge. It is written and created by Ed Brubaker, and it stars Zoe Bell. And it has a little cameo by Lucy Lawless. All the rest of the characters are pretty much nobodies. Okay, so if you're not familiar with Zoe Bell, Zoe Bell is an amazing stunt person. She has done tons of movies, and she's probably best known for her work with... Quentin Tarantino, and he has cast her as well. So she has had speaking roles in some of his movies as well. She is kick-ass. She's so good. She holds this movie together, which would otherwise be pretty much unwatchable. I mean, the, the other performances are really poor, but the writing is pretty good. It's Ed Brubaker, so I was sold immediately. And she is great, and all the action sequences are awesome. That's really the selling point of, of 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 Angel of Death is that like everything is a vehicle for Zoe Bell to get into these four or five really great fight sequences in a movie that I believe was under an hour and a half. We we got drawn. We came for the Brew Baker, but we stayed for the Zoe Bell. She I believe was Uma Thurman's stunt yes. double in the Kill Bill movies. So when you see Beatrix Kiddo getting bashed around Bud's trailer in that epic battle. When you can't see Uma's face, you're basically watching Zoe Bell. She looks a lot like Uma in this movie, actually. She does. Very similar look. And I think every film that Tarantino has done since then, he's found a role for Zoe in there somewhere. Yes. And yeah. she's great. She's fun to watch, and she sells it. She's completely believable. John Wick's getting a lot of talk this week because number four just came out. And yeah, some of those action sequences are amazing. But I don't know that they will hold a candle to Zoe Bell. She is amazing and she sells it. I completely buy in that she is capable of whooping like six or seven guys' butts all at the same time and that she has the skills to do it. She is, like, not only the choreography is good of these stunt sequences, but, like, she's strong, yeah, a lot of great martial arts cinema stars are really good at delivering the amazing stunts and fight sequences. But when Zoe Bell is doing these fight scenes, she's acting at the same time. She doesn't necessarily need lines, but just her body language and her facial expressions, like you can really feel the you can feel the character behind every like punch, kick, absorbed and thrown. Yes. Bob Odenkirk has a new TV show. Uh, that Hank told me about last week, and we watched the first two episodes of, and it was really, really good. But because of that, he's on a junket, and he's promoting it, and he was on Hot Ones, and he talked about how 
when he was in Nobody, he trained for two years because he wanted to be able to do action sequences, believably, where he was still acting as the character. And in order to do that, you can't really have a stunt double because you need to see your face and you need to see your fists flying and doing all the things. So right. he he talks about that in, in The Hot Ones. It's on YouTube. Check it out. It's quite entertaining. Um, and Zoe Bell does the same thing in Angel of Death. Yeah, we're not going to tell you that it's an amazing movie or that it's like Ed Brubaker's best writing, but it does have that like hard-boiled feel with a lot of cool uh, side characters who aren't necessarily, like you said, played by, you know, the most skilled and talented and recognizable actors, but they do have a cool feel. And this movie has kind of a cheap-on-purpose look, I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Doug Jones has a little bit part, and he is really good in this. And I like that they piece together some of the sequences with comic panels, because it does have that Ed feel, but also it cuts out a lot of chaff that otherwise you would, you know, have to see somebody driving across town or doing something where it's just like boom, 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 boom. Four seconds later, we're in a new scene, and it's really good. Yeah, they use that comic book panel scene that we've seen in movies like The Warriors yeah. and American Splendor, but to really good effect to sort of speed you through to the next set piece. Yeah, so not the greatest, didn't win any Oscars, never will, but it's a fun little romp, and uh, you might want to throw that on your radar, and it's on Netflix. So there you go. You can Friday, find it. Friday find for you. Friday find for you. Okay, let's throw things over now to Hank and Craig um, and hear their take on some stuff. And then we'll hear from Brennan. And then we want to talk about some animated stuff. So uh, take it away, fellas. Hey, everybody. It's Craig Siliphant on Punch Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM. And I am joined, as always, by my co-pilot and good friend, Hank Cruz. Hank, yeah. Hank, good friend. I thought we were, like, best friends. Like, come besties. on, Craig. We're, like, besties. Besties forever. Ever. Um, Ugh, so... I feel gross after saying that. I got to go have a shower. I'll be back. <laughs> So uh, a few things to talk about this week, a little bit of TV, a little bit of music. I guess, well, if I'll jump in. What do I care? Yeah. Uh, I started watching Swarm, which is a psychological horror thriller television series created by Janine Neighbors and Donald Glover, of course, of uh, Atlanta fame. Uh, the series follows Dre, who's a young woman who has an obsession with a pop star that takes a decidedly uh, dark turn. It's on uh, Amazon. It's... Yeah, it's pretty. I've only seen two episodes so far, but it's I'm, I'm digging it. It's pretty weird. I really like Donald Glover. I think that like everything that everyone says about Jordan Peele, it, really, that's Donald Glover. Like yeah. uh, not to take anything away from Jordan Peele, but I just think Donald and I know I've said this before, but Donald Glover is just like, I just think he's brilliant, like especially after watching Atlanta. And I still have some ep like I'm hoarding a few episodes of that that I haven't watched yet just to stretch them out. But uh yeah anyway i it's interesting to see where the series is going because i like that premise doesn't even quite describe the first couple of episodes really like uh she, there is this woman dre who's like obsessed with a you could call her like a beyonce type pop star so the swarm actually refers to like killer bees which are fans of i think the pop star's name is nija uh and so that's like their super fans like swifties or whatever beyonce's fans call themselves 
I, I don't want to give too much away because there's a lot of surprises in it. So I'm sort of struggling with what to say, but I know you saw the first episode. What did you think? I did. I saw the first episode and I loved it because it was different and it was weird. And, uh, uh, I want uh, equal representation in my nudity uh, on television. So like free the penis. Okay. Like we got to see uh, one of the Culkin dudes like smushing his nether regions uh, up against some stuff. So I was like, you know what? Good. We should have more of that equal representation because uh, yeah, free the penis. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So I, that was your takeaway. Yeah. Uh, there's some like. I, actually, it was. Uh, I, I can't wait to watch more. Like, it's really good. Really. Yeah. Good. It's, I love the aesthetic of it. Like, just the way it's shot and the lighting and everything. And, you know, there's some. You know, I, I just love the satirical nature of a lot of it. Like, it's, it's just, it's really smart so far. So, like I said, I've only seen two episodes. So I'm sort of waiting to see what develops because it's, I'm, I don't want to say it's slow. It's not, but it's, it's, it's just definitely not, it hasn't dive, dived into being like the fan or something where like, you know, this woman is stalking this pop star. It's more about like her life and just things going on in her life. And, uh, and again, I don't want to give too much away, but there's some like explosions of violence that like sort of continue to occur. Like she's kind of a psychopath when, when you really get down to it. So uh, like I said, it's on Amazon prime. I, I don't really want to say too much more about it because I don't want to ruin it. And I haven't, I, I haven't seen enough to really go into too much detail, but perhaps after I see more episodes, we can talk about it more, but. Uh, and uh, in case you care, I just went to the, uh, the Googles and uh, checked uh, the Bay hive B E Y hive right. is a play on the word beehive. Beyonce is the queen bay. Her followers are called the bays collectively belong to the hive. There you go. The bays, not Swifties. We got the bays. Exactly. Bay bays. Bay babes. So I, I'm, I'm just seeing if I can sign up here. Like, is there like a membership fee you got to pay or something? I don't know. I'm going to sign up. <laughs> sign up to be a killer bee. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. So uh, I want to talk about some musical stuff, but why don't we stay on TV for the moment? I know you oh, had uh... The Night Agent. It's on Netflix. Uh, started to watch it with uh, my daughter because it looked like another FBI type show because we watched all of the FBI's because she can't get enough of this OA guy in his tight pants. So we're doing this uh, Night Agent. Well, we had to stop after the end of the first episode so that we could catch my wife up on this so that we could all watch it together because it is so freaking cool. Uh, so a low-level FBI agent, Peter Sutherland, works in the basement of the White House, manning a phone that never rings until, in episode one, it does. Bum, bum, bum. So there's the secret night agent program through the FBI and the White House that if you ever have a problem... So when the super spies are in trouble, they call that phone number. So this girl ends up calling this number because her aunt and uncle are murdered. And then she, their aunt and uncle were like, if anything happens to us, you call this number. And then it turns into this huge FBI White House conspiracy theory with the president and their chief of staff and the vice president. And then some guy running this like paramilitary corporation and a lot of rich people. There's intrigue. It's like, who? it's intense. Ten episodes. We finished eight Nine and ten we're watching tonight. Uh, it is addicting. It's great. You should watch it. There you go. Nice. Sounds uh, like something I would check out. The other... Oh, you know what we should quickly mention, too, is John Wick 4. Chapter oh, 4, yeah. You and I both saw it together with some of our uh, other buddies the other night. 
I, I had a, I've had a bit of time to process it now. I wrote a, a full review on the feedbacksociety.com if you want to go read that. But overall, I would say none of them are as good as the first movie. And some people are saying this is better than the first movie. I'm like, no, no, no. The first movie was lean and mean and tight. This one is three hours long. And I think it does a reasonably good job of being three hours long and, and not wearing out its welcome too much. But it's, uh, you know, what this movie does really well is A, it looks great. But B, it like... It just has some like choreography and stunt work uh, and, and uh, you know, all that stuff that is like second to none. It's, it's, you know, and that three hour time makes it bizarrely immersive in a weird way. Like one of those action sequences was 37 minutes long. It's like, uh, and you're not really like, I looked at my watch a few times during the movie, but like, usually it's moving so well that it, that it, it just looks great. What did, what did you think? Uh, the best action movie I've seen in a very long time. Uh, my second favorite John Wick. I would go the first one, obviously, and then I would and agree with that. this one just for the sheer, uh, like the planning and everything that had to go into those action scenes, like the the one and the car chases, and they must have what used two billion bullets in that movie yeah and it's like they they were shooting like at least a hundred bullets a minute like it was just a bam, bam like it was just unbelievable and the fighting and how keanu reeves who's like 58 now is kicking ass like he's 28 like it is the best thing it is like so awesome yeah really fun uh so that's john wick chapter four at your local theater so i went to a concert the other night at tcu place it was ryan adams uh, right. Not to be confused with Brian Adams, uh, for some people who don't know who Ryan Adams is, but Ryan Adams was a uh, sort of originally kind of a punker and then kind of alt, one of the like originators of alt country uh, in the New York scene in the early 2000s and then eventually moved out to Nashville and stuff. Now, he's been in a bit of hot water in the last few years. Uh, he was canceled by the Me Too thing. So uh, if you uh, now some of that sounds like he was doing some stupid things and some of it he was accused of doing stuff that they later found out like one of the major things was like texting this underage girl and later it was sort of revealed that the fbi did an investigation and everything and that he had it, like she had lied to him about how old she was but none of that stuff ever came out in the news after he was canceled because nobody cared anymore but he's uh -huh. rolling through town i was surprised it was just him there was no band just him on stage with some lamps low lighting which is really great for the show because people weren't pulling out their phones uh they weren't having conversation a lot like it was like you were focused on the music and he He's so prolific. He pumps out like four albums a year. So I was worried that like, I'm not going to know any of this music. I haven't really paid that much attention to him in about 15 years. Uh, he meant a lot to me in the early 2000s and then nothing for years after. But he played like a ton of the great, you know, his great uh, hits from back in the day. Lots of great covers like uh, Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody, Iron Maiden's Power Slave, uh, some Dylan, Ooh. some uh, some Springsteen. Uh, and so the show was amazing. But it was also punctuated by some idiot that stood up at halftime and screamed at 2,000 people in the entire auditorium thinking that someone had stolen his jacket. And uh, it ended up being really funny because somebody didn't steal his jacket. They had, I think, just sort of been misplaced. <laughs> it was just really toxic, weird uh, energy that he was bringing to the whole show. But then Ryan Adams came out and, and spent the second half of the show like making fun of this guy, basically. So everyone was laughing at him. Uh, by the sounds of it, he was a bit of a drunken, belligerent loser. So it's it's too bad that he thought that that was kind of cool, that like he thought he was some kind of celebrity because Adams was making fun of him. Uh, he was not. He was a loser. 
uh, and very toxic. But overall, the show was uh, really good, and uh, you know, I, I would definitely go back and, and see it again if I had the chance. It was it was really good. So uh, we're actually out of time here, but uh, that uh, we'll you know throw back to Jody and everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Hello, Punch listeners. This is Brennan the Riz Rizzling here once again to give you some suggestions to help improve your life. That's right. Here at Punch Radio, we just don't want to entertain you. We just don't want to educate you. We want to find ways to give you things to help make your life better. Now, many times on Punch Radio, I just go by the name Brennan, but today I'm going by Brennan the Riz Rizzling. And the reason is the Riz is my band name. Yes, I play with Ultimate Power Duo, and I'm promoting my own band right now. But the reason is, today I want to talk about music for a very specific and personal reason. Last week, I found out that we had a unexpected uh, passing in my family. Uh, it was my aunt, my Aunt Wilma, who was more like a grandmother than an aunt to me, partly because of the age difference uh, between my dad and her. She was the oldest of seven. My dad was the youngest. Uh, the age spread was about 20 years. So she had a nice long life, but her passing was quite unexpected. And as I was helping write her obituary, one of the memories I wrote down was how much that my Aunt Wilma loved the sound of music. And every time it came on, every Christmas time, she would always watch it and she would always sing along. When the sound of music uh, came to Saskatoon, they had some of the actors here. She went and saw the movie, got to meet the actors, got an autograph. Like a fan expo thing before fan expo came to Saskatoon. This is the Broadway theater. This was oh, years ago, probably 20 years ago. So I want to talk today about musicals and some of my favorite musicals and a musical source that you probably have not heard of yet. So Wilma's favorite musical was The Sound of Music. And out of curiosity, I went to the AFI, the American Film Institute, a list of the 100 best musicals, according to AFI. Interesting, when I click on the website, the picture is actually of Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music, even though The Sound of Music is number four on the list. Uh, it's her singing on top of the hill with her arms spread. Uh, it's just a really neat tribute. So, Singing in the Rain is number one. West Side Story is number two. Wizard of Oz is three. Sound of Music is four. That is all fine and good. I have no problem with that. Number 20 is Grease. And personally, that to me is the musical that got me into musicals. I think for that generation and their kids, which I would have been, Grease was fun. It was campy. It was sort of like the anti-musical of the time. Now, the original Grease is way grittier and more street level than the movie Grease. Um, but still, that was the idea of it, and it kind of helped revolutionize what a musical could be. All right? Moving on, Hair. The original Hair soundtrack is one of my favorite musical albums, as well as just a great rock album. The difference with Hair, uh, it's about the 60s counterculture, um, anti-Vietnam, the sexual revolution. But when they recorded it, they wanted people to use their natural voices. They had like one mic in the room. If you wanted to harmonize, you could harmonize. And it wasn't to make it perfect. It was supposed to be the natural, raw sound of the people's voices. The original Harrow soundtrack is great. The ones after it are too produced. I don't like them. But the first one, amazing. Nina Simone with that beautiful solo at the beginning of Aquarius. Some of the best musical moments in a musical are in the original Hair soundtrack. The Book of Mormon. I saw that one recently. Well, not recently. Recently is in like five or six years ago. On stage in Saskatoon. It was brilliant. Some people did not know what they're walking into because the audience in front of me, uh, the, the row in front of me, 
about half of them left. Okay, Book of Mormon, written by uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker of South Park fame, as well as Robert Lopez. He did the music, he did Avenue Q. Um, and it's about two Mormon missionaries who go to Uganda to try to spread the word. It is the South Park version of a musical, but it's so well done, so well crafted. Um, you have to go in with an open mind. Um, if you're easily offended, then I wouldn't listen to it. But they do that thing where they cause a problem, and at the very end, they solve it, uh, much like Shakespeare in his sonnets. Uh, so good. Check it out. And a resource for you. Go to YouTube. There's a, a channel called Musical Hell, created by Christy Estiri. And it's a crudely animated uh, demon who goes through musicals and critiques them. Okay? Speaking of the Book of Mormon, her last, one of her last reviews was of Saturday's Warrior, which was a legitimate Mormon-based musical. It came out in the 70s. It almost disappeared until like uh, uh, homemade footage of a, of a presentation showed up. It's been redone in 2016, and she goes through step by step, and she critiques bad musicals. But here's the thing. She's someone who loves musicals, so it's not someone who's bashing it just to bash it. It's someone who loves the genre and goes step by step and says why it can be better, what can be improved. She also knows the score or on some channels where she actually talks about why it is good, such as... The new one, and Juliet, which is a, a jukebox musical, new term to me, where they take pre-existing songs and put them to music. Musical hell. It's so good. She goes to musicals, talks about them, critiques them, and gives you ideas on what you should watch and what you should watch. And sometimes watching the bad things are fun and they are campy. Wow. That's a lot about musicals. I will talk about operas at another time. But if you haven't, checked those out. Check them out now. Check out musical hell. Enjoy some musical in your life. And like I always say, well, not always say, but just start of saying, I'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon. Or in the musical version, I'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon. You can pick whichever one you like. Okay. Awesome. So a lot has, we've discovered this past week, a lot of animated things that some is just news that we'll just quickly mention in passing. So Venture Brothers, so a few years ago, Adult Swim announced that they were going to make a movie of Venture Brothers, Metalocalypse, and Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Three separate movies, not all those in no, the same movie. That, that would be, be too much. Yeah. They have yet to deliver on these. However, this week it came on Twitter that some people who have been working on the Venture Brother movie were sitting down for a screening. So wow. this is still early days. It's not going to be in our pocket yet. But it tells you that they've been working on something and at least it's cohesive enough to merit a screening. So that's amazing. It's real. I mean, it's it's real. It's going to happen. It's for real. Okay, so big news there. We polished off Agretzko season five. What a whirlwind. Man, I mean, I love that little red panda. She is so captivating. And we binged the whole thing again and finished it off, and it was awesome. And uh, it sort of felt like it was over. Like, there was no big cliffhanger at the end of this season when every other season we've had something pretty major. Yeah, I felt like it, it came, it reached a climax that it really maybe can't go back to. And then the last couple of, the, the, the last minute, really, did feel like it was putting the stamp on the end of season five. What a great show. We had such fun and so many laughs watching this. It is a very silly show, but there are connections to the real working life that we identify with in watching this show and just sort of like the 
the the workaday life is is represented by these cute little animals in some pretty profound ways once in a while. Yeah, you might work for a pig, and you might have an uh, an office gossip who's like the hippo, and it's it, there's just so many archetypes in it, and it's a delightful and funny and action-packed watch. So you know, again, if you haven't seen this, it's easy to find. It's on Netflix. Yeah, Agretzko on. You know, there's five seasons of it there. She'll teach you to rage, to get in touch with your inner self. It's beautiful. Some self-help there for you, too. We watched the first episode of Agent Elvis. I'm not sure if I'm into this or not. It wasn't great. It's voiced by Matthew McConaughey and a bunch of other stars. And it is actually created or was being created by Priscilla Presley before she passed away. I'm not sure exactly how deep uh, her involvement went, but uh, yeah, it didn't it didn't super grab me. I like the look of it. The style of the animation is really good, but it was kind of weird and weak. If this had come out in like maybe the mid-2010s or something like that, I think we would have pushed beyond episode one. But there is just so much content to consume in 2023 that, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, don't have, you don't have time for okay. Can't settle. Sorry. But we did introduce ourselves to a new anime called Way of the House Husband. It's based on the 2018 manga and it came out last year and it's about a Yakuza boss who is now, you know, staying at home and taking care of his girlfriend, wife, and making box lunches. And meanwhile, you know, he still has some parts of his old life but it's to very good comic effect yeah it's it's really funny as your description obviously suggests uh, but i really like the art style of this too like angel of death it looks a little cheap at first because it's not really fully animated it's just the camera moving and panning over still drawings and images with sometimes some little action effects added in but I think these techniques are done really well on Way of the House Husband, and it's actually quite an artful, funny little adventure. Yeah, it's a lot of little vignettes all pieced together to get a slice of life of what it's like for a Yakuza boss to become a house husband. I'm sold, and I want more. And it leads us to our final thing that we want to talk about today, which is a new comic. It is like that. Lots of little vignettes that all come together. It's called It's Jeff. And it's about a little shark. It's from Marvel. And these were comics that were just on their app. So only available on their app. It sort of feels like reading an old Archie where you have a whole bunch of stories that are like one, two, or maybe four pages long. And that's it. Just boom, boom, boom. Bit of action and a punchline. And they're cute. And they're funny. And it, it treats the Marvel villains and heroes in a really light way. It kind of reminds me of the uh, issue number 11 from Hawkeye 2012, the pizza dog episode where they won an Eisner. It's all from the dog's point of view. And it's Jeff is like that. Yeah, there's no dialogue. There's no narration. Nobody says anything. So you, it really gets you involved with following the action and taking your eye around the page in a very effective way. This is obviously done by some really skilled artists to pull off laugh-out-loud comic adventures without any words at all. And the best part, it's all ages, so everyone can enjoy this. I wish it was an ongoing series, but it's just a one-shot. Go to your store and pick that baby up.
Yes, definitely. And that wraps up our episode for another week. You know where to find us here every Friday on CFCR 90.5 FM. And in the meantime, keep your dukes up.